standing in line. I was with a, with a friend. And he looks at me, he looks me over, and he goes, girl, you look like you've been eating a whole lot of ham sandwiches. Like, yeah, that? I mean, I busted out laughing. Recently, he's not trying to call me fat, he's trying to call me curvy. And so I was like, no. <laughs> Thankfully, I am so proud to say that that is not my husband today. <laughs> so I do want to welcome you guys to Women's Life again. My name is Kiana. If I haven't met you guys yet, it's very nice to meet you. I've been a part of Blue Ridge now for like the last seven-ish years. I've been a part of different women's ministries on and off for the last uh, five or six. Um, and so I'm just really glad to be up here with you guys tonight. Uh, oh, yeah, just a little bit more about myself. I usually have one of my littles with me, at least one. Both of them are both attached to me, but those are my littles up there. Because, um, you know, when you stand up on a big stage, you've got to show off your best assets. So those, those are my babies. So Shiloh and Sawyer, so you're going to call her So she'll probably be back with us next week. <laughs> um, but yeah, before we jump in, I mean, I would love to keep talking about pickup lines, and hopefully you guys have had some great stories about pickup lines, and hopefully that is that some good ones have turned into a relationship and then turned into love. Um, so that is what we are going to talk about tonight, and we are going to talk about love. Uh, but before we jump in, let's go ahead and ask God to just be with us tonight. So Heavenly Father, I do, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for each woman that is here with us and what's brought them here today. Please, God, we just ask for your presence. We ask for you to be with us, to be able to... Um, Hear your word, Lord. Would these be your words that are that are speaking out? Um, it would make very much sense to talk about your love without you. So, God, I know that I need you. Uh, I know that we all do. So, it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. So, I'm gonna be really honest with you guys. I kind of nope, not kind of. I did. I. Um, kind of procrastinated preparing for tonight. I just, I actually just avoided it. Really more because, like, I'm not an emotional person. I don't like being emotional. I don't like that whole roller coaster, like the ups and downs. It just, it just doesn't die with me. I'm not trying to stay more level or, or happy, one or the other. Um, and so I knew that, I've known for a couple months now that I was going to be with you guys tonight and talking about this. and. I avoided it because I didn't want to talk about, I didn't want my own emotions to have to come out. I avoided it because I didn't want to face those emotions. And what I actually ended up doing was, in avoiding those emotions, I avoided God. And it just sounds kind of dumb. It sounds kind of silly. Like, seriously, Kiana, you avoided God because you didn't want to face emotions. Um, but it's, it's true. Uh, and that's what ended up happening. And... But seriously, part of my story, it's not that far-fetched, because at the very beginning of my relationship with God, like our relationship was kind of rocky like that. So I have always grown up in church. My grandfather was a pastor. Uh, so I, from the very time I was born, I was in this family church. And then when I was about 11 years old, our church building had burned down. Uh, just you know, Thankfully, nobody was in it. It was an electrical fire. Uh, it just happened one Sunday morning, um, the whole building was just gone. And so within the coming weeks afterwards, there was just 
kind of taken all the kids to the back just to try to have their own little program. There weren't a whole lot of kids, but there was a decent number for us. And this particular week that I remember, this particular Sunday, um, I was in the back with the kids, and there was a woman that was teaching us who didn't normally, she wasn't normally our, our leader. Like I said, during this, everything was kind of chaotic after the fire, um, and so she was more kind of filling in. And we were, I don't even remember what the lesson was on, but somehow we got on the subject of mistakes and forgiveness. Um, and so as we're kind of talking about it, I have this question. So I just blurted it out. Will God keep forgiving you if you keep making the same mistakes over and over? So you buy that question. And my question kind of, it threw her because she kind of stammered a little bit and she wasn't really sure how to answer it. And eventually she had his answer out. Well, he's not going to keep forgiving you if you keep doing the same thing over and over. Like, I was 11 years old when I heard that answer. And I don't even remember the rest of the lesson because my little heart was shook. I mean, completely. So bad that that answer, like, bored down into one of my core beliefs, and it stayed there for a very long time. And it's just, it's hard. It's hard to remember that, and it's hard to talk about how I spent years living out of that answer. Because this is what that looked like. What it looked like was, yes, I believed in God. I believed that He loved His people. I believed that He blessed them. He watched over and protected them. But I also believed that there was a cap, like a limit to what we could do as far as the bad things, the sin, you know, things that we know that we weren't supposed to do. Like, there was a limit, and at some point, if I didn't get my act together, I was going to reach that limit, and at that point, God was no longer going to want anything to do with me. That's the fear that I lived out of. And of course, being a preteen, teenager, young adult, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I made mistakes. I didn't live perfectly. I didn't live right. I didn't even live in, like, a Christian way. That was good. Don't get me wrong. But I still make mistakes. And so, when I would go back and think about the things that I did, I would picture God like this. I lied to my mom. Check. I didn't do my homework today. Check. And then as I got older, of course, my mistakes, everything that got a little bit bigger, horrible, not completely horrible, but it would look like I helped my friends steal from the store. Check, check. I went too far with that guy. That's like 10 checks right there. I'm still lying to my parents. Check, 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 check. I went too far with that guy again. And I would just remember sitting in my bed late at night, usually just staring at the wall, because that's when everything would just kind of come over and I'd think about everything. 
And then finally being like, you know what? That was probably it. That was probably the last time that I messed up and now God wants absolutely nothing to do with me. Like I did it. I screwed up. And I'm done. That's it. But you know what, guys? That is not the end of my story at all. Not even close. Because even during this time, this is before I even fully had surrendered my life to him. During that time, even in my sadness, as I sat in that pit of just guilt and shame, I, I can see it, that God just sit right there with me. Jesus is right there on my bedside, just holding my hand and pulling me right back to his side. Each and every time, I didn't even know that he was doing it, but he was pulling me right back. And so, I know that there's another story that's kind of similar to that, and that's what we're going to jump into uh, with our scripture tonight. So we're going to go to the book of Hosea. And just a little background on this. So Hosea is a prophet of God living in northern Israel during a time when Israel has lost their complete lines. They've been out of Egypt for some generations. They are now... They turn to other gods, they're worshiping these other deities, these self-made idols, um, self-indulging in every possible way, and God is ticked off. He is furious. And so now we have uh, Hosea, and God gives him this command, and this is where we're going to pick up. When the, Lord got, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman. Other versions say a woman of whoredom, aka a prostitute. Or we're just going to put that one out there. A woman of the night. So go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of the blame, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel. Because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And in that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again, gave birth to a daughter, and then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo-Ramaha, lo which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show up to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord, their God, will save them. After she had weaned Lorahama, Gomer had another son, and then the Lord said, Call him Loami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. And then, uh, we're actually we're going to jump down to, that was chapter 1, we're going to jump down to chapter 3. The Lord said to me, and this is Hosea, this is after some time, of course, that they've been married, and Gomer leaves. She disappears. And so they speaking again. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turned to other gods and loved the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lithic of barley. And then I told her, 
You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way towards you. All right, so that was just a lot to kind of go through. Like, what in the world is going on here? So we have our prophet, our man of God, our spiritual leader, probably well-known in uh, his community, and God tells him to go marry a prostitute, um, someone who has given her body up multiple times. And the sad thing, the only things that we know about Gomer are her name, her sexual history, and one parental name. And honestly, I was doing some research on this. Historians can't even agree on if that's her mom or her, or her dad's name. But what they can agree on is that she most likely came from a, what we would call a broken home, where sexual immorality, prostitution, maybe even addiction, things like that, where that's kind of running rampant in her home and where she lived. Um, and so like most generational sin, Gomer just followed suit right in it. And so we have Hosea who comes and sweeps her off her feet. Uh, they get married, they go on to have some children, but for whatever reason, you know, it's not enough, at least for Gomer. And this is, I, I've read this story over and over and over, and this is about the time where I would love to just pull Gomer aside, you know, treat her to some Starbucks or have her come over, or if she's just feeling sad, but I would go to her and go find her and just be like, what's wrong? You know, what's going on? Like, tell me, what, what is it? Um, but we don't get that, we don't get to see that or we don't get that picture. So, but for whatever reason, maybe out of um, some past hurts or maybe confusion or, I don't know, she's just not happy anymore. She leaves and she not only abandons her family, she goes right back into the pit where she came from. And actually, it's even worse than when she, where she came from because now, in order to get her out, she has to be paid for. She no longer owns her body. But that's exactly still what Hosea does. And God tells her, or tells him to go back and get her. He doesn't say, go find another wife, that one didn't work out. He says, no. Go back and love that woman just like I love the Israelites. See, what I love, and I think this is why I'm drawn so much to the Gomer story, is because I feel it kind of uh, within my own story of this betrayal. You know, the things that I know that I have done, or I know that I have turned my back to God. I have abandoned him. I have. I've done things that I probably shouldn't have and turned away. But even still, within my own brokenness, and in that separation from him, he came back. He pursued me and pulled me in closer and loved me. I mean, why? Why would God do that? You ever thought about that? Like, why? Why me? Why? Why Gomer? And it's later on in Hosea, in chapter 11, where he is describing the Israelites. This is already after he's gone through this rant of what uh, Israel has done to him and how he, they have betrayed him and turned away. 
But then he's describing Israel as like this child, this son who he deeply loved and deeply cared for, who he taught how to walk by holding him by his hands or bringing him up to his cheek. Like I think about my own girls and my oldest and we were teaching her how to walk. And she was super cautious about everything. But we were right there holding her and supporting her, making sure that she didn't fall and still giving her the support that she needed. We're holding my, my youngest, you know, having that skin to skin contact because that's just so crucial to um, that parental bond. And that's how God felt about his Israelite, just having that bond. He had that. And he wants that, he wanted that back. And then in chapter 11, which I forgot to put up on um, in the screen, so I'll just read it to you real quick. He says, how can I give up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? And how can I make you like Zeboiah? Those were um, two other cities that were completely destroyed. Like, how can I make you like them? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate them again. For I am God, I am not man, the Holy One among you, and I will not come against those cities. He's doing all of this out of his love for them. You see, the biggest thing with God is that even in his anger and his frustration, you know, it's not that he can't lash out in Israel, that he won't. He chooses not to out of love for them. You see, the biggest thing that we have here is that God's love, it is not an emotion. It's not that roller coaster up and down. You know, we, we have the ability, we have the ability to love. I love my girls, I love my husband, I love my family. You know, we, we have that deep-seated feeling, especially when it comes to relationships or um, even our animals. We, we do have love. We can feel that. But the thing is, like, with our love, our love can fade, for sure. It can come back in waves. And it can also be distracted by the next emotion that comes. But that's not God's love. It's not emotional like that. It doesn't sit there and ride on a roller coaster. You see, God's love is the catalyst that drives his actions and emotions. It fuels it. I really want to encourage you, if you have the time or if you have the time, if you have it, to read or go through the book of Hosea. Because it's Hosea prophesying. Um, it's, he's the one who's written the book, for sure. Um, but it's, it's through God's words, through his eyes. And in and out of Hosea and Gomer's story, uh, you see God interrupt and have these tangents. And it reads as this man who is deeply hurt. I mean, he is devastated. He's angry. He's ticked. There's that anguish within him that is just portrayed um, in so many different ways. But then, at the same time, you also see his, uh, his sadness, you know? You see the hurt, and still wanting to be together, this longing 
to want to give them forgiveness, for them to come back so I can be like, I forgive you, and to show that love again. I promise you, if you have ever been cheated on, which I really hope nobody in here has been, but if you have ever been cheated on, those are not going to be your initial emotions. They say, you know, I just want you back, and I'm going to give you all this forgiveness. That is, it might come much later, but it's not going to be your initial reaction. But that's God's. And even still, it's God's love for us. It's for Israel and it's for us. That hurts him so deeply when we turn our back and push him away. And when we love our own idols, Facebook, Instagram, get that attention, those can be idols for sure. But it's also his love that pursues us even as we push away. It is fueling both of those actions and those emotions deeply and set within him. Because it's not emotional. His love is not emotional. God's love is constant. It doesn't waver. It's unconditional. There's no cap like I had previously, previously believed that there was. There are no boundaries or limitations to it. I mean, just look at Gomer. She was a prostitute. Who knows how many people that she had laid up with? You know, maybe she had some other addictions or habits sprinkled in there. And then even on top of that, even when she was given the chance to kind of better herself, to become a societal woman, you know, the pastor's wife, she leaves it. I mean, just completely, just throws it away. But that didn't stop God's love for her at all. There were consequences, for sure. But that love for her and for us was still there, still going strong. It didn't matter. Because there's nothing that we can do or change to diminish God's love for us. Actually, instead, that love made the first moves for Gomer and Hosea to be reunited again. And then Gomer was freed, completely freed from her slavery once and for all. Because God's love is freeing. It has that power to give freedom, to completely break those bonds that keep holding us back and pushing us down. When we've accepted God's love, which, let's get this straight, we can, we can reject it easily. We can turn our back and say, God, I don't see you. But when we accept it and receive it, it has the power to transform and to change. It can infiltrate things like bitterness and anger, things that you think that will be deep down, like that's just going to be a part of me for forever. No, it can dig deep down in there can set us free from our own sin or any kind of that chaos that is just that inner turmoil that's going through you. It can break that weight of sin's brokenness. Have you guys ever felt that? To have, like maybe you haven't even really been able to put it into words, but you're just, you know, just sitting with your alone and you just feel that weight on you. You're not really sure what it is, and you feel like you can't shake it. Even if you try, you try to stretch it out, but it's just there. We are not strong enough to bear that. We can try as much as possible, 
but we're not. I, like I said before, I love my husband. I love him so much. I would do whatever it took to be by his side every single day and pour out my love to him to support and respect him at ever, every given opportunity. But even if I spent every single day pouring out my love to him until I'm blue in the face, my love, it can't set him free. It can't save him. It can't save him from that weight. It can't save him from the world and temptation or whatever all is going on around us. And it definitely can't save him from himself. I tried. And it didn't work. But the thing is, though, like, God's love can. It can break all of that and save him and bring him back. And even within my own story, my slavers were guilt and shame. I mean, those things, they pinned me down and held me, kept me chained to that stupid lie for over a decade, completely. And, but there was one night uh, in Crash we met right across the hall and um, this is already after I'd started my life, and I was sitting in chairs and a table just like this. And it was during the worship part of the service. Um, but I was still just kind of hunched over, feeling the weight of past hurts, and just not really sure what to do with myself. Um, but God, in His grace, spoke directly to my heart. I said, What are you doing? You're mine. You are not a slave anymore, so stop acting like one. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, I don't have to just sit here and take this. I don't have to hold on to this because I've already surrendered my life. Jesus has already told me that that is done. I don't have to hold this ghost weight. Not anymore. I've already been freed and saved from all of that. God's love, only his love can do that. God's love is the connection, the heartbeat for us. It's the very reason why we're here today Have you ever heard of um, the Bible? We call it like the love story. And we're just gonna, real quick, we'll just go through it real quick. So, in Genesis, we have Adam and Eve, and they are in perfection, um, and everything is all right, it's going great, and then all of a sudden they eat of the forbidden fruit, and now sin has entered the world, um, and their nakedness has been just revealed, and there's, there's chaos now. And it got, instead of God just like getting rid of Adam and Eve, like scrapping the mankind project like, and starting over, what he does instead is he, he pushes them out into the world. Not to be mean, but like I said, there still are punishments, there are consequences. But he did that out of love. So that way then they didn't have to sit within their own sin and within their own mess for all of eternity. So they didn't eat that fruit of life 
and happy just to live in that. He pushed them out so that way then later on, they could be reunited again, and he can redeem all of that. And then we fast forward in the Bible, uh, and we get to Gomer's story, who, like I said, she completely left her family, even though she had uh, her husband, her kids, her title, her purpose. Left it all. But he still comes back for her. Gomer's history, her present even at that point, it wasn't clean. She wasn't the good girl. She wasn't the pastor's wife. Yet he still came back for her out of love. And even with that, with that price that was paid for her, this physical price, which was about the, uh, the price for a slave, Hosea gives her this promise. He says, with this, now, with this price, you will not be with any other man. You will forever belong to me, and I will remain and belong to you. And then keep going to the New Testament with Jesus, who is that, that full embodiment of, Jesus, of, of Homer's price complete embodiment of it, and for our price as well. And even at the very end of his ministry here on earth, his physical ministry, and he's nailed up on the cross. He's been beaten, bloody, and bruised. He's got nails driven through his hands and feet. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, guys, he is slowly suffocating to death. And still at the very end, he's using his last breaths to plead the same case for the very people who became his judge, jury, and executioner. All out of love for them, and all because he paid a price that he knew that only he could afford. And then even if we uh, switch all the way back to uh, the end of the Bible with Revelation, where in my opinion, it's like the worst of the worst is still yet to come. But God and his grace and his glory and his love for us, for his people, is still trying to bring them in, to give them that one last chance to come back, come back to the relationship, come back to the marriage, come back to his love. It's his connection with us that is driving that. It's all done out of love. This entire, I mean, story after story, lesson after lesson. And it's why we're here. We still read his word to have this tangible piece to be able to hold on to. So that way then, like we see at the end of Revelation, where everything is done, everything is complete. God has completely destroyed sin. He's destroyed the devil. There's no more pain. And then once again, we are all just completely redeemed, reunited, and everything has been restored. That is why we are here today. That's God's love for us. It is not an emotion. It is way more powerful. And these were just a few things that we've, we've talked about. There's so much more in God's love. And as it comes, as you receive it, as it becomes embedded within you, 
comes right back out. At least it should. It gives us that opportunity to be able to love those who others would see as unlovable. Because I can promise probably every single woman here at one point has been unlovable. At least by someone. Which is hard to say, and it sounds mean, but it's true. But that's not God. So, uh, as Crystal said, tonight is going to look a little bit different. One thing that I truly believe is that God's love is to be and should be experienced. It's not really something that you can just read about or you have friends tell you about. And so what we're going to do tonight is I want to give you that chance, a, a decent chunk of time, to be able to have that one-on-one -on -one time with God. To be able to talk to him, ask your questions. He's not afraid of our questions. Even if you are, if you are upset with him or angry or if you just don't feel that love, ask him. Ask him to reveal himself. That's not going to scare him at all. There have been so many times, actually even recently I've had to do this, so many times where I've, I've had to just sit and stop and just ask God, where are you? Where are you? Not shaking my finger out of judgment, but just being like, I just, I really need to see where you are because I'm completely lost. So don't be afraid to ask those questions, to invite him in. Like I said, we can, we can deny his love, we can deny his word, and we can turn our backs. Ask him where, is there a place where you are denying him? Um, and also, I want to also give this chance, if you have never experienced God's love before, or you're still, you just want to talk to someone about this, to pull your leader aside, for sure, and walk through with, that, with them, because this is deep, this is heavy, and it's very important. And even if you're still not really a little embarrassed about that, you can flip them a note, give them a text, say, hey, meet me in the back. Pretend like you go to the bathroom. Just do what you need to, because it really is that important. And like Crystal said, there's uh, stations all around. You don't have to save your tables, but you can if you want to. And um, at the end of everything, Crystal will come back up, and she will pray us out. But please, I think you definitely take this time. Oh, and one last thing. On the back of your sheet, Headed somewhere. There, there's some scripture back there too. Let's say if you still, you're not really sure what to do. You can look over those verses. They go along with everything that we talked about tonight. You can find one that just, it's just, it jumps right out to you. You can circle, scribble, draw, ask questions in the mar in the margins. You know, whatever it takes. Uh, ask God about those. Ask your leaders or a friend about that. Uh, but like I said, I really would love for you guys to take this opportunity um, just to dig deep and um, have that, that conversation with him. So thank you.